Mulaney, Omaha. Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 Hour number two here on this Thursday. Tim Brando, Barry Odom joined us in hour number one. Those interviews up on the website a little bit later on, tcmartinshow.com. And hour number two, we start handicapping the card. The NFL card, which starts tonight with Seattle and Dallas, a little Thursday night football. Looking for that. you got to go to Amazon Prime for that. And then the college football. Yes, Pac-12 championship here in Vegas tomorrow night. It's Oregon and Washington. Looking forward to that. We'll be making the mad dash from the Westgate tomorrow. So come on out, see the show live, tune in, 2 to 4 p.m., of course, our Best bet segment, and a whole lot more at the Westgate Las Vegas, myself, Marco D'Angelo, Jay Cornegay and company, tomorrow afternoon at the world-famous Superbook. No better place to go check out all the games. Doesn't matter which day it is, the nighttime action, of course, Saturday for college football, and we've got college basketball now, of course, NBA, and then Sunday slate, uh, all the games there on, and the beautiful Race and sports book there at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, let's continue on here and let's bring in our Thursday man of action, the main attraction, Scott Spritzer. What is going on, my friend? Man, I'm just getting ready for a little baskets, a little football, and you know, kind of mad rush of the day is over with. So now I get to enjoy the games. Is your uh, sleep pattern changed at all now that uh, you've got? you know, a, a plethora of college basketball games, NBA, and we're still smack dab in the middle of, of, of meaningful football. What's a sleep pattern? Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that probably answers it for you right there. Right. Yeah. Right. It's uh when you got all of them going, man, you got all the sports, hockey, pro and college basketball, pro and college football. Uh, yeah, the sleep is weird. You know, you'll sleep from, well, for me, you know, TC, I'm a night owl. So I start working about nine o'clock at night. Right. And right. I work until I'm done, which most nights is about 3 a.m. Wake up again around, you know, 7 30, 8 o'clock, see where the lines are moving. Go back to sleep about 10 a.m., sleep a couple of hours. It's, it's pretty much that way from basically around the 1st of November or the 5th of November when college basketball starts until you know, after this weekend slows down a little bit because then you just got the bowls and, uh, and, and, but that's the way it is basically. And I'm used to it right after all these years. Yeah, no doubt. All right, my friend, we got Thursday night football tonight. We've got uh, Seattle and Dallas, Dallas, uh, favored by nine, uh, pretty much. Uh, and you probably have the, the latest lines at the various books, uh, around town here. Uh, we know that Dallas has been dominant at home. They've beaten the, the teams that they're supposed to beat, the below 500 teams. But then when they go on the road, uh, they, they struggle against the better teams. So tonight it is a rather big number, but do you think the number is justified? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I ended up not playing the game. I'll tell you what I did play. I played a, 
a, a prop in the game, and I'll, I'll give that to you in just a second. But I didn't play the game because I, I, you know, all the stuff that I normally do when it comes to NFL football over the years, you know, points to the underdog in this matchup. And I couldn't pull the trigger because we've seen of late Geno Smith kind of regressing back to what he's been most of his NFL career other than last year's bust-out season, which looks like an anomaly. And also you've got, as you mentioned, I mean, Dallas just takes care of business at home. So, you know, I mean, they're a bully. They play these teams they're supposed to beat on their home field, and they can really run up the scores and win by wide margins. So I ended up passing the side. I even passed the total. And then I jumped in on a prop tonight, and I played Seattle safety Julian Love to have over five and a half tackles plus assists. It's about a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty when I played this late last night around midnight Pacific time. And the schemes TC that these two teams utilize, and I'm talking about the Dallas offense and the Seattle defense, uh, they give us solid value. I think with this prop, I really thought at five and a half it should have been about a buck thirty-five or so. And the reason I say the schemes kind of present itself as a good possibility for Julian Love to reach that that tackles total is because as a safety, he's playing a lot of plays, a lot of snaps near the line of scrimmage, the way Seattle plays defense. And then Dallas is one of the NFL's very best in number of offensive plays at home. I mean, they just run play after play. They're always on offense. And so he's going to get more than his average amount of opportunities to make tackles and get assists in tackles. So that's what I ended up doing with tonight's game. I'll, I'll be able to watch and, and root for something at least because I just decided to pass that in total tonight. All right, I understand. And I know a lot of people think, like, okay, well, Dallas has been blowing out these opponents, especially at home. They're coming off that Thanksgiving uh, Day victory as well, too. And if you look ahead to the schedule, up next, they've got the Eagles. Uh, right. Any chance that maybe Dallas is looking ahead? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I lean towards Seattle without pulling the trigger on that game. I, I do have Seattle, by the way, because uh, I wanted to do it earlier in the week, and I, I did want to second-guess in the uh, contest at the Westgate right. and over at Circa. I did play Seattle there. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a chance that Dallas could be looking a little bit forward to Philadelphia trying to you know knock off the Eagles. And then if you look at Seattle, I mean, if you look at the last 26 times that they've been a dog of four or more, they've covered 19 of those games. So, you know, I, I think there's a decent amount to like for both of these sides. Uh, the problem is, is I just couldn't get past that Dallas, you know, the fact that they can come out and blow teams out. That's why I had to stay off Seattle. But again, you know, it's one of my five plays in the contest, so I will be rooting on the Seahawks for that reason. Yeah, I can see that. And But then there's that fact, too, of, uh-oh, we're betting on Geno Smith, you know. That's the problem, man. <laughs> I, I know. It's like, it's like I can't pull myself to do it, you know. It's, it's like, you oh. know, I, I had a hard time coming up with five sides for the Westgate for the circuit this week. Uh, I, I like three sides. I had a hard time coming up with five, mm-hmm. and I couldn't decide between Seattle. There was a couple of more plays, and I just kept telling myself, you know, I remember when he was in his last year at West Virginia, and about four or five weeks into the season, he's the leading Heisman candidate. And I'll never forget when they took on Texas Tech, and Tech brought a completely brand-new defense that Geno hadn't seen before. They were doing a lot of pre-snap movement. I mean, blink-of-an-eye decisions that you would have to make as a quarterback uh, to be able to process what was going on, and he couldn't. And then guess what happens? Here comes Snyder from Manhattan, Kansas, with his Kansas State Wildcats, one of the best coaches you know, in our lifetime in college football. He basically copied what Tech did, 
Geno fell apart again two weeks in a row. A couple more teams did it the rest of his last year at West Virginia, and all of a sudden his numbers dropped way off. So I gave him the little nickname of Geno Can't Read because he was having a rough time reading defenses, and he was that way most of his NFL career until last year. I actually like the guy, TC, and I like anybody who, when things aren't going their way, they just keep working their butts off and never complain. So it was good to see him have last year and the way it went, but he's back kind of to what we saw for his first several years of the NFL now. I mean, a guy even took, took a punch to the face, punch to the eye, and didn't complain, right? You know? Oh, yeah, I like this guy a lot. Yeah. I, you know, I wish him nothing but success unless I'm betting against him. Right. But, uh, and I love his personality. I like the way he is off the field. Um, he's just, you know, it's back to that thought of, boy, Gino can't read. Yet, again, I could only find three NFL sides this week, and they ended up landing on my contest card. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing like you. There's two that I like for the contest, and I said, okay, do I want to you know, incorporate this Thursday game? Because like you, I'm not really crazy about doing the, in, doing the Thursday game. I, I think uh. I've done it twice so far this year. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm just going to pass and say, okay, now I'll just try to find three, three more on Sunday. And then we still, you know, got a heavy, heavy bye week, uh, as well, too. I mean, you know, we have what six teams that have buys this week. So right. yeah, it, it's thin. I don't know about you, Scott, but I thought last week's card was just abysmal. It was terrible, uh, TV viewing. You know, you only had three games that featured teams facing off against each other that had over 500 records. Everything else, uh, had losing teams and it was just it, it was it was hard to handicap to a certain degree and it was hard to um it was hard to watch you know i mean right. the, the the television side of things was really really difficult last week and then i'm looking at these games i'm going man we're kind of in the same situation again we got a lot of bad games uh on the board here for viewing purposes yeah it was you know it's funny last week because I, my first play last week in the nfl um, on Sunday was the New England Patriots, and they had plenty of opportunities <laughs> yeah. to win. And yeah. you know, and then of course they play as badly as they did. And Zappy was terrible when he came in the game. And of course, you know, you had Mac Jones starting that game and didn't do too well. Um, so yeah, it was a situation where I'm like, oh crap, you know, I just lost game one. I didn't like this card anyway. This could be a disaster. Well, between Sunday and Monday, I ended up going three and one. Good. And you know, it was one of those days where every play I had was I was holding my nose when I made the play. And, and we escaped. So I'm with you, man. I, I, like I said, I've got, you know, three sides and a total, uh, for this weekend. And it's the same kind of feel. There's like one or two games that I like a little bit more than I liked any of the games last week, but I'm sitting there and I'm going, man, I don't want to, you know, I, I love it when I, when I, I, you know, even if you have a losing day, if you love the card when you're handicapping it, at least you don't feel like, ah, crap, what's coming this Sunday. You know? Right. Right. You know, so anyway. Let's, uh, let's take a look at some of these games here. Uh, Denver and Houston. You know, the Broncos are getting a lot of love. They've climbed over 500 now at six and five. Uh, and, and the Texans, obviously, D'Amico Ryans has done a fantastic job, which kind of had a feeling that he would. And then CJ Stroud is, is, has been fantastic. 19 touchdowns, only five interceptions. But still for me, Scott, I, I really can't get involved in the game because it is the Texans and it's the Broncos. And yeah. it just seems like that there's still a lot of, of variables, uh, negative variables for me with these Denver Broncos. I know there's a lot of people that think this team is turning around. They could even be a playoff team. I want your thoughts about Peyton and these Broncos. Yeah, this is another lean for me on Denver. Uh, one of the reasons that I almost ended up playing Denver, and that line's come down, by the way, it was three and a half, it's now down to three. But one of the reasons, and that was on the last hour, one of the reasons that I um, liked Denver and at least have a lean on them, and I might add them to my card by 
by Sunday uh, is the fact that C.J. Stroud, as great as he's been, and boy, does he look like a keeper and looks like he's going to have a long and uh, successful career. And I'm a big D'Amico Ryans fan. I liked him in San Francisco, obviously now in Houston. But all of a sudden, he's throwing interceptions, talking about C.J. Stroud. I think he's got like five interceptions in his last three games or something like that, maybe four games. And he wasn't throwing picks or putting the ball in the wrong place the first several games of the season. And so I thought, okay, teams are catching up with him. No fault of Stroud's. It's just the way it goes when you're a rookie quarterback and teams start seeing more game film on you. And then I'm thinking, you got this Denver defense, which is pretty good, and you got Sean Payton and his staff, which is very good. You know, they might be able to design something based off of what other teams have found success in doing against C.J. Stroud over the past three or four games. So that's why I lean Denver. Plus, you know, you look at uh, Russell Wilson, all of a sudden this guy's near the top of the league in just about every quarterbacking key metric you want. I mean, look what he's done right now. He's got a 20-to-4 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and all of a sudden Denver's you know, taking the ball away from other teams, playing ball hockey defense. So I think it continues. I couldn't pull the trigger, and maybe I missed it here, because they were getting 3.5, and, and like I mentioned in the last hour, they dropped it 3 as some sharp money starts to come in on the Broncos. But uh, I would lean that way to Denver. It's tough, though, because I still have visions of what was going on with this offense all of last year and in the early portions of this season. Well, the Detroit Lions definitely laid an egg at home on, on Thanksgiving. Then they had that uh, victory. They barely got uh, over the Bears. Then uh, same uh, thing the week before against the Chargers. What do your take about the Lions? And now they're going to uh, face a Saints team that was really bad last week, coming off that bye where they lost the game to Atlanta. Carr looked awful. This seems like a good get-back spot for the Lions, but are you seeing some chinks in the armor with the Lions? Yeah, the defense bothers me. You know, I mean, again, last week was a perfect example of, you know, all of a sudden they made Jordan Love look like, you know, like Aaron Rodgers level, you know, and, and Jordan Love is a long way to go before he's a legit starting NFL quarterback, although he's, we've seen, you know, we've seen him progress with this play on the field over the course of the season, but not at the level that he played against Detroit last week. And I was on the Lions defense. Uh, the thing about this week, even though I don't really like this Lions defense, is that it's the Saints. Who's going to catch the ball if Derek Carr throws it on target and makes the right decision? They're so banged up. You know, Lattimore's still out for the Saints. I mean, it's injury after injury. There aren't a lot of targets for Carr to throw the football to, and we all know that, you know, Carr's a great guy off the field, but he's not your best quarterback on the field. And as far as the Lions, they're still one of the top five offenses in the league. Uh, the defense, by the way, I should say, I should clarify that. They do stuff the run, which means you've got to go up top. I don't think New Orleans can go up top and hang with the Detroit Lions for four quarters. I think Detroit's got a chance to put up some points here. And I just added them a couple of years ago to my card, by the way, the Detroit Lions. So get it back, Detroit, this week. All right. The uh, Niners and the Eagles, obviously the game of the weekend. And, uh, you know, this is a, a rematch uh, from last year's playoff game where Brock Purdy was injured. And it was, it was sad to watch as the Niners, you know, couldn't move the football after Purdy uh, left. And, you know, you brought Johnson in there and it was just downright ugly. We know the 49ers have had this game uh, circled for a long, long time. And the Eagles, yes, they're 10 and 1, Scott, but man, this is a team that has been outgained, uh, for majority of their recent games, uh, by at least a hundred and sometimes 150, 160 yards in some of these games. What do you think here? They, they've made the Niners the road favorite here, a three point favorite, despite the Eagles being 10 and 1. 
Yeah, I, I laid two and a half with San Francisco. It's up to three now, as you said, everywhere. Yep. Um, they had a couple of extra days, obviously, to uh, prepare for Philly. You're talking about the outstanding Niners coaching staff, and the players were also able to recover a little bit more from bumps and bruises. And then Philly, their defense last weekend on Sunday, man, they were on the field for like 92 plays in that win, that overtime win over Buffalo. Um, and the Eagles, you know, they got quite a few injuries, and now they got to face arguably the most diverse offense uh, for lack of a better term, in the in the NFL. Philly's banged up a linebacker. Here comes a punishing offense that averages over 140 yards rushing per game in the last three games. The Eagles give up more than 300 yards passing in three of the last four games. And then Brock Purdy leads the entire league in completion percentage. He's a little bit above 70%. He leads the league in passer rating a little bit above 112. And he's so outstanding. We were talking about just a few minutes ago about the level of being able to process plays as a quarterback with Geno Smith not being that great, Purdy's as good as it gets. I mean, teams are trying to change up on him on their defenses right before the snap. Uh, they're changing right after the snap. And he's processing that stuff in a matter of a second or two and then making the right delivery. Now, I was watching Greg Cosell earlier today, Howard Cosell's nephew. He does a great job analyzing from a non-betting standpoint. And I'm not into non-betting standpoints except for Greg Cosell. And what I liked about it is he talked how – he has just got that natural ability to process it a second and then to throw the pass to a spot before the receiver breaks to that spot and then lays it out in front of the receiver, Kurt Warner-like, so the receiver doesn't have to break his stride. And I just love watching this guy play. So you got San Francisco, the better team in both offensive and defensive DVOA, the better team in net yards per play, the better team in third down and red zone defense, and you got the Eagles thinking about Dallas potentially next week. So I think the spot calls on a San Francisco win here. Uh, Late two and a half. It went up to three earlier today. I agree with you. I think a lot of people are saying, what, San Francisco is the favorite in this game? Because a lot of people will just look at the record. But no, San Francisco is the better football team. There's no question about it. They've got, you know, and you can say what you want about revenge factors or not, but this is a revenge warranted uh, situation. I mean, this is, you know, we all remember that game last year. And uh, Purdy was injured, unfortunately, but he's been phenomenal this year. That Niners defense, to me, is the big key. And the Eagles defense is leaking. It, it, it showed leaking. Leaking signs last week again against Josh Allen. Very unfortunate uh, for the Buffalo Bills last week because they had that game won on a couple, well, three different occasions actually. Yeah, they blew the two 10 point leads and then blew the lead there at the end of regulation. So, yeah, I think it's a great spot for San Francisco. I think the warranted uh, as the favorite, and, and I'm joining you on this one, Scott. I'm curious. Yeah, I, you know what, TC, about that game really quick yep. last week? I had Buffalo and I was lucky enough to get the three and a half earlier the week before it went down to three and most people got three, you know, if they had to wait into the weekend and I'm having dinner with my wife and I, and we had like four friends in town from California. We're having dinner and I'm looking up at the TV and I'm like, you son of a guns talking about Buffalo. It goes to overtime. I'm like, here comes the touchdown for Philly to win by six, you know, or whatever. And so I was very fortunate in a game that should not have had to sweat. You know, but that's Buffalo and that's Philly. Philly knows how to turn those kind of games into wins. But this week, man, they're playing, you know, to me, the highest, for my power ratings, the best team in the NFL this week with San Francisco coming to town. All right. And Kansas City's got to be right there for you, too, as far as power rankings, I believe. And they're yep. a six-point favorite against the, the Packers in Green Bay. The Packers, of course, coming off that big win in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. But now the Chiefs. 
They fell behind, you know, 14 to the Raiders, but then they put the pedal to the metal. Uh, very interesting to see um, how the Chiefs are going to respond playing at Lambeau Field. And I know that Patrick Mahomes has never played at Lambeau before, and he, he's kind of a little giddy about this. And Andy Reid loves going back to Green Bay, as we well know, you know, former coach there. So uh, give me some thoughts on uh, the Chiefs laying six in Green Bay, and that is now your Sunday night football game. Yeah, this is a, obviously we're going to find out all we need to know, I think, about the Packers this week because they did get those last two wins against the Chargers, who will be looking for a new coach at the end of this year. Uh, they better be. <laughs> right. And, of course, Detroit, the way they played last week on defense. So all of a sudden, he's averaging you know, over 290 yards passing in his last three games that he hasn't thrown a pick. Um, this is a cool stat. I found this on a, on a site that uh, is very trustworthy when it comes to keeping these type of stats. They noted that the Chiefs have had 290 yards lost due to dropped passes. That's crazy. Almost 300 yards lost. And that doesn't count potential yak, yards after catch. That's just where the ball hit the receiver's hands. I mean, it might be 400 yards if you had yards after catch. So they got to, you know, all of a sudden help Patrick Mahomes out a little bit. And I think it's going to be tough for the Packers to be able to slow this team down unless they have a lot of drop passes because the Packers are banged up big time in their secondary. I think this is the perfect defense for KC to kind of get right. And by get right, I mean to be playing the kind of offensive football we saw last year, even though they don't have all the same players. I, I want to come in here and bet Green Bay. A lot of folks I know that I like, uh, that I trust their thoughts and opinions like Green Bay. I like Kansas City in this one, TC. All right, there it is. Anything else on the NFL card on uh, Sunday, Scott? Did uh, peak? Uh, you interest? hit my best already with San Francisco. Okay. Let me see what else I got here. If you want a quick play here. Um, but again, you know, San Francisco's my best in that spot there. And hopefully, sounds like you like them too. Hopefully we'll not have to sweat things down the, uh, the, to the end of the game. Um, Jaguars over Bengals Monday night, TC, lay the eight and a half. I'll make it real quick. Since he gained 221 yards last week with Jake Browning, sacked four times, making his first road start now. And I think that you're going to see Jackson go a little chip on their shoulder on defense after almost losing the game last week, probably should have lost that game. And then remember, since he gave up 420 yards to Pittsburgh, I think it was the first time this year Pittsburgh's top 400 yards. That's not a good offense. I think Trevor Lawrence, it's a big number, but I think rightly so. All right, to the college football championship games here real quick, Scott. We got a great one here, and I know you love, you know, going out and watching, uh, not, not only college football, but college sports in general. But, you know, at Allegiant Stadium, we got Oregon and Washington for the Pac-12 championship tomorrow night. Then, of course, we got UNLV and Boise State Saturday afternoon. I don't know if you're planning on going to either one of those games, my friend, but, uh, should both be exciting. But can you make a case of taking either Oregon or Washington here tomorrow night, even though the line now has crept up to 10 for the Ducks? Yeah. Well, I went down on the side here. I played the under at 67. It's down to 66 and 65 and a half in some books. And I'll just say this, uh, playing the under with Washington and Oregon is not for the faint hearted. So, you know, if you don't have a strong heart, <laughs> you might want to pass that. But it was 62 points, 33-29, two minutes to go in the game. Oregon's got the ball at the Washington 47, fourth down. They decided to go for it on fourth down and they got stopped. Now they could have, if they picked up the first down, they run up the clock, it goes under or they punt the ball deep and maybe they slow or stop Washington. Instead, Washington gets the ball at midfield, 90 seconds to go in the game. They score the touchdown uh, to get it to uh, 69 points and to win the game by three. The offense has slowed down Washington, 528 yards on five yards per play the last two games. Oregon games have a top this total that we got for this week, the last three weeks, and they've given up just 323 total yards on five yards per play over the last three games, only 3.6 yards per carry. 
I played the under here. And as far as that Boise State-UNLV game, I actually played the over. I think we're in for a bit of a track meet. Look at this Boise offense since they got rid of Andy Avalos, the head coach, 3-0, and and they're averaging nearly 40 points per game. They're running for six yards per carry. I, I hope UNLV's secondary, I guess, would play better than it did last week. So many missed tackles. I was at the game, and uh, unfortunately, they just missed a bunch of tackles. A lot of hit with the shoulders and not wrap up, except for Woodward, who was having a great game. I think it goes over the total, even if UNLV shores up some of the tackling problems, uh, as we saw last week against San Jose. A lot of us had San Jose last week, also TC. It was just one of those games where it looked like the Spartans were the right side. So anyway, I'm playing the over. I think UNLV gets the win here. I just didn't bet UNLV. Right, gotcha. And again, the you know, Boise State defense is uh, susceptible as well, too, to, sure. which bodes uh, to your handicap of over 58.5 in that game uh, at Allegiant Stadium Saturday, 12 noon. Uh, the big game, obviously, over in the SEC with all kinds of other um, playoff implications, just like Oregon and Washington, Scott. You got Georgia and you got Alabama. Five and a half is the number with Georgia here. I know Alabama's been getting a little bit of love, but they showed that uh, you know they're a little susceptible last week. Uh, maybe should have lost that game to Auburn, and Georgia squeaked by Georgia Tech here. Uh, give me some thoughts here about the Bulldogs have won 29 in a row here in SEC play. I don't know how Bama keeps doing it, man. I mean, that's just a miracle finish again uh, to get that win. But, you know, the line's been as low as four in this game and as high as six. And a lot of folks were, you know, back on the Bama bandwagon going into last bandwagon, going into last week's Iron Bowl, and a lot of those same folks jumped off the bandwagon after Bama needed that miracle to come back and win. Um, I, I lean Bama here, plus the points. I wanted a little bit more. Uh, maybe you could talk to Jay and he'll give me a full seven. I doubt it. <laughs> but I, I liked Bama a little bit of this game. I, I do like the over here. SEC title game is 13-4-1 to the over last 18. And when you play indoors in conference title games, we're talking the last 60 conference title games that have played indoors, 56% of those games have gone over the total. And that might not sound like to somebody who's new to sports betting, might not sound great, but that's excellent, 56%. So I do like the over, and there's many reasons when it comes to metrics. You know, Bama, 34 points or more in four of the last five games. Uh, they've been able to run the ball much better. They didn't hit 34 last week, but they gained 6.63 yards per play. And then Georgia, over 40 points per game the last seven. So I think that uh, total was a little bit low, and I like it over. All right, Scott. You know, um, what is the uh, team total that I can get on Iowa? Now, I, I heard it's around what, <laughs> around six and a half or seven. Is that right? I mean, come on, man. I mean, is this a joke? A Big Ten championship game? We know the number's twenty three. I get that, and we've been you know picking on uh, Iowa and you know the unders and just keep to, you know rolling in for this team. What is that team total for Iowa against Michigan on Saturday night? Right now it is six and a half for a full game. <laughs> Did you hear what it was for the first half? No. No, what? Three? Zero point five. Oh, stop it. Really? That was the, all you got to do is get a safety and you win. Wow. Zero point five in the first half. And I saw, I think it was yesterday I was downtown doing a show and, and I think I saw two and a half down there for the first half. Um, but it started out 0.5. You had to lay $1.25 if you liked the over. That's a crazy thing. But anyway, um, only $1.25. So this looks like if Michigan stays focused, I mean, don't they kind of name the score? These two teams hooked up two years ago, conference championship. That Iowa offense was weak, yep. but not downright awful like this week's or this season's. So you had a better offense. You had a, still a good Iowa defense. Michigan beat them 42-3. to 3. 
Michigan's much better this year than they were two years ago. They were good two years ago. Iowa's worse than they were two years ago. And I'm questioning some of those defensive stats that are so darn good for the Hawkeyes because they played nobody. Right. They had one step-up game. They played Penn State. They got beat 31 nothing. If And they, guess what? Last week against Nebraska, second half, Iowa, 57 yards and two first downs yeah. in the second half. <laughs> okay, Michigan doesn't make the kind of mistakes Iowa needs. If the Wolverines can stay focused for four quarters – and the scary thing is, if you back them, they don't need style points. They're in the playoffs just by winning. So, but I laid it anyway. I think they stay focused. They got a chip on their shoulder with all the stuff that's been going on. This just looks to me like another, you know, 42 to 3, 41 to 6 type of game, as long as the Wolverines are focused throughout. You're going to give them two field goals, huh? Give them a six. That's uh, it. Three safeties. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, though. All right, Scott. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, good luck to you this weekend, my man. Same to you, TC. Have a great one. All right, Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go there and get Scott's plays. Subscribe to his plays. Uh, DocSports.com. Been doing it a long time. Great friend, great handicapper, one of the best in the business. And uh, I love having Scott uh, uh, with me here and has been for many, many years. Simply uh, the best out there. And again, we're fortunate enough to have him, Marco D'Angelo, over at WagerTalk.com as well, too. Uh, with us uh, each and every week. When we come back, Sam the Man Gordon, Las Vegas Review Journal. We talk all things Vegas, including UNLV and a little Raiders bye week. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. All right, on this Thursday, we're getting ready for the Pac-12 Championship game coming your way tomorrow, UNLV, and the Mountain West Conference Championship game against Boise State on Saturday. If you missed the uh, interviews with uh, Barry Odom, Tim Brando earlier, Scott Spritzer will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com a little bit later, so make sure that you check all of that out. And Moa, how about that, that you know our, our, our featured article up on the website is involving UNLV and not the Raiders or not anything else in the NFL. Does that show you right now where, where Las Vegas sports fans are right now? And then we've got a championship game with UNLV over the Raiders that are not going to make the playoffs. Just how, how times have changed. Hold, hold on. There's still hope. There's still that little sliver of hope. It, what is it? Like 0.2% is going to get in the playoffs. Yeah. We're going to do it. <sighs> Sam Gordon joins us now, our good friend from the Las Vegas Review Journal. What's up, brother? How you doing? My man CC, happy Thursday. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm right back at you. All right, man. Let's start let's start talking about that. Let's talk about UNLV and uh you know, they lost to San Jose State last week and San Jose State, you know, had the best quarterback in the Mount West Conference. So not a real surprise that San Jose State came here and did a number. You got to kind of feel bad for them not advancing to the championship game. I think that's a hard explanation that uh, somebody from the Mount West Conference offices is delivering that had to deliver to San Jose State, uh, you know, head coach and their administration saying, "Hey, sorry, uh, you know, you beat the top dog in the conference and on their home field and you're not going, but it's college sports, man. It is what it is. It's crazy. And now UNLV is getting another opportunity, this time against Boise State. 
A tremendous matchup, TC, and uh, of course, I'm. You know, let's get the first things first. Um, I'm with you in terms of the computers being absolutely ridiculous. Uh, this should be a rematch between between UNLV and San Jose State. That's what this game should be. Two teams that are nine and three that had better overall re- records. Uh, I understand some of the strength of schedule stuff and, and whatnot, but it's not like Boise State performed in its non-conference. Boise State did not perform in its non-conference. In fact, blew a massive lead. Uh, to Memphis, and it was so bad at one point in the season, it had to fire its coach. Uh, right? Credit for what they've done and for how they played the Mountain West season. And the, they very well, they're favored in the game. It's a talented roster. They very well may win the game and be the Mountain West champions, but they're not in the game based on their mer- based on the merits of what they accomplished in the Mountain West um, this season. Let's just get that out of the way. They're in there because of the computers. Let, let's just get rid of the computer model. I don't know what has to be done. Uh, but we have to figure it out. Uh, next, uh, as far as the game itself, um, look, UNLV uh, has, uh, we know about what they've accomplished this year under Barry Odom, right? One of the better, uh, the best offense in the Mountain West, a much improved defense at all three levels. Special teams are excellent. Kicking, punting, return game, they're as good as it gets. You have one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country, and Jade Mayava, one of the best freshmen overall. And, uh, and in Ricky White, on the perimeter, you have who I believe to be, and I wrote about this, for the Review Journal on Wednesday, TC, uh, an All-American out on the perimeter uh, with 1,308 yards and counting, two more games to play, has a chance to be a 1,500-yard uh, receiver this season, has absolutely buoyed that offense uh, in a historic year for UNLV, a team that might win the Mountain West. It's not just empty stats on a bad team. This is a guy driving winning, helping to drive winning in a historic year uh, for a program on the rise. But when you talk about the matchup, Look, it's all about can UNLV stop the running game? Can they slow down what you, uh, what Boise State uh, has back there uh, in the backfield? And can they continue uh, to take care of the football, protect the football like they have for most of the season and win the, position, uh, the field position game? Boise State uh, doesn't have the, the same kind of firepower on the perimeter. They don't have the same kind of firepower back there at, at quarterback per se. Uh, but they're talented in the trenches. Uh, they, they play hard. They're fast and physical. And their running back, whose name escapes me at the moment, DC, uh, was the, the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. So we know what he can do. We know what he can bring to the table. Uh, and we understand the emotion that's going to be behind this game, right? Boise State playing for their interim coach, uh, for their coach, uh, rather, uh, for, uh, for, for, for their coach who was, uh, who replaced the former coach earlier this season and UNLV looking to put a cherry on what's been the best season, uh, since 1984. So, it's a fantastic matchup. Uh, it looks like there was an announcement made earlier. I saw on my social uh, that there are tickets available now in, in the upper bowl, which means if they're opening up those tickets, there's going to be an attendance. There's going to be presence. Uh, you expect Broncos fans to travel well. I certainly do. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see what the crowd is like uh, for UNLV supporters. If there's ever a game uh, that UNLV fans, long-suffering UNLV football fans, would ever uh, attend, you, you think it'd be this one. So, uh, it's a great matchup. I'll be out at the stadium Saturday and looking forward to seeing what both teams bring to the table. Yeah, the running back you're talking about, Sam, I believe, is Ashton Janty. Uh, that kid, there you go. that kid has had over, uh, he's had, uh, over, uh, two 200 yard games and a couple over 100 as well, too. So yeah, I know he is, uh, he's phenomenal. Can UNLV stop him? But I would think at the quarterback position, though, Sam, UNLV actually has the advantage. Yep. I'm 100% with you, TC. Uh, Jade Mayava, again, I believe he leads all freshmen in completion percentage and uh, passer rating uh, in terms of, you know, there's a different metric in, in college, but passer, whatever the, whatever the technical term is. I believe he's tops among freshman quarterbacks, and, uh, and we've seen him time and time again down the stretch, big moments, big situations, 
big throws, uh, do what he has to do, stand in there and make plays, make plays from the pocket, make plays with his legs, make plays with poise. Uh, he's done it on the road. He's done it at home. He's done it in the two-minute offense. He's done it down 17. Uh, again, this is one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country, if not one of the best overall uh, freshmen in the country, and, and certainly uh, the top quarterback, the top signal caller that, that I can remember the Rebels uh, having you know, in quite some time. So uh, he's excellent. And, 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 again, you have Ricky White on the perimeter, uh, the go-go offense dialed up by Brennan Marion, a rising star uh, at the offensive coordinator spot, a future head coach. No question about it. You take a look at what they've done in the backfield. They lead college football in rushing touchdowns. This is a multifaceted offense that can beat teams in a lot of ways. They haven't shown any quit in any game this year, right? Even the losses that they had, they played Michigan more competitively than several Big Ten teams, including my alma mater, the University of Minnesota, uh, and, they're, they're, and, and, and San Jose State, they, I mean, they, they get, did everything they could down the stretch to, to make it a game and to give themselves a glimmer of hope at the very end there. And then Fresno State was down to the wire, too. So this is a mentally tough uh, team that, that's multifaceted offensively, that can run the ball, that can throw, that has one of the best receivers in the country, that has continuity. And that is led by the coach of the year, the Mountain West coach of the year, Barry Odom. Uh, should be, there's several, I don't know if there's an official national coach of the year award, but he should be a finalist on whatever list there is for what he's been able to do, how he was able uh, to stabilize this program in, in just one year, not just stabilize it, but elevate it to new heights, elevate it to one of the best, what, what they've been, one of the best group of five programs in the country this season, again, can punctuate that on Saturday. So uh, the, the, the UNLV this year, TC, has kind of all the things you look for. They're, they've been a very complete football team. They're experienced, uh, and they're going to have to go prove it one more time, uh, certainly in the Mountain West, at the Mountain West level, uh, against Boise State on Saturday. It should be a good one. All right, 12 noon, kicking off Boise State and UNLV. And, yes, they have uh, opened up uh, uh, the upper bowl there. So tickets on sale. You can get in there for as, as low as $20 as well, too. So looking forward to that at 12 noon. All right, Sam, um, Raiders got the bye week. Uh, we watched that game against uh, the Chiefs where the Raiders got up to that 14 nothing lead and then uh, the Chiefs uh, just just put it put it to the Raiders outscoring them what 31 to 3 from there on out. Uh Hunter Renfro says today there's no reason why the Raiders cannot run the table and win five straight games to make the playoffs. What do you think about that? Oh, I mean I respect the bravado, I respect the confidence. I mean that's what else is he supposed to say but yeah. I'd be hard pressed TC to see them rattling off five straight in a stretch that includes uh, at Kansas City. You're going to have to go into Arrowhead Stadium in a game that maybe that are probably going to be still at that point of the season uh, of consequence for the Chiefs considering how close everything is in the AFC they're going to need to win that game. And when the Chiefs press go when they woke up right after the first quarter and a half when they woke up on Sunday uh, they boat raced the Raiders. The game was not competitive. Uh, it was 31-3 after the 14-0 deficit. It was a total domination uh, on both sides of the ball. And, uh, and again, I, look, I respect the belief. I respect the confidence. That's what, I, what you're supposed to feel. And it's reflective of, despite a couple losses, it's reflective of the belief that Antonio Pierce has managed to build inside the locker room in the last few weeks, but I'm, I don't see it happening. I think, I mean, they're just, when you take a look at the schedule that, that, that they have to play still, uh, Denver's still on the schedule. Denver's, I believe it or not, TC really good now, uh, winning five straight, one of the best defenses in the NFL over the last month and some change. And dare I say, Russell Wilson for comeback player of the year has played as, as well as, you know, pretty much any quarterback in the league, save for four or five. Uh, not getting a ton of buzz for what he's done, but he's taking care of the football. He's made clutch plays. He's led big drives. 
and he's done it all season long. So uh, the Chargers will be the tough game, and and, uh, and of course the Vikings are going to be you know desperate, and they they're coming off their bye as well. They're still in the playoff picture uh, too. And then the Colts, PC. That's that, I believe those are the remaining five games. Yep. Colts are six and five. That's not a gimme. That's nothing to sneeze at. The Colts are six and five, have a better record than the Raiders, and are more in the mix for the playoffs than the Raiders are. Uh, right now, currently with Gardner Minshew as, as their starting quarterback. So, uh, again, respect to Moxie, respect to Bravado, but nothing that I've seen uh, over the last – at any point this season, and, and even with Antonio Pierce at the helm, leads me to believe that the Raiders can win five straight. Could they win a couple of those games? Absolutely. I would expect them uh, to win a, a couple more games, but but – Getting up to uh, getting up to ten and seven, that still might not be enough to make the playoffs, uh, considering how competitive this AFC is. Sam, I want you to call your uh, peeps over there in the the Vikings front office, okay? And tell them I, I've seen enough of Joshua Dobbs, okay? That's enough. After that performance that we saw Monday night, come on, man! Oh my, what was that? Uh, I mean, it was, uh, dare I say, TC, it was one of the worst quarterback <laughs> games of, of the year, and, and you know, Josh Dobbs was. Uh, an incredible story, right? With his just kind of his personal situation, what he's been through, uh, his journey around the NFL, and then how he played for for two full games against Atlanta, against the Saints. Um, he was awesome and really galvanized the Vikings in so many ways. But came back down to earth a little bit uh, and during the Denver game at Denver. Denver's defense made some key plays, and he, um, you know, just the Vikings didn't play a complete game. I thought there were some coaching issues in that game as well. But but anytime on Monday Night Football against the Bears in a, in a pretty much a showcase game. You can't have four turnovers. Um, it was it was definitely inexplicable. It was a poorly quarterback game, um, and uh, and now we'll see what the Vikings uh, do during their bye week. Uh, what, what quarterback they're going to come in here with um, in in Vegas? Because that's that's both teams and their bye here at Legion Stadium uh, on I believe it's December tenth. Um, I'm sure, or maybe ninth. Uh, I'm still of the belief, though, TC. I'm not. I mean, the, the options right now in Minnesota, Slim Pickens, Nick Mullins, and, and Jared Hall, and we've seen Josh Dobbs at his best, what he's capable of and what he can do. Now, can he still summon that? Can he tap into that? Is there too much film on him at this point? Perhaps there is, but he still offers uh, a dynamic uh, with his legs that the, the, the Vikings, I don't think, have leaned all the way into schematically yet, and we'll see if KOC wants to make that adjustment. But I would not be surprised. Either way, um, if it's Nick Mullins getting the start uh, in a couple weeks, just kind of based on the tenor of Kevin O'Connell's last couple press conferences, the Vikings are in a, a do-or-die situation now pretty much with where everything is in the NFC, and maybe they want to throw a new quarterback back there to give the Raiders uh, a different look. Sam Gordon joins us, Las Vegas Review-Journal, fine columnist there. Sam covers everything here in Las Vegas, Raiders, UNLV, uh, boxing, of course, uh, everything here. And uh, we talk a lot about uh, the Raiders. There's a story that's circulating out there today, Sam. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, where um, ex-Raiders uh, general manager Dave Ziegler uh, apparently had said that he wanted to move up in the draft and draft C.J. Stroud because he believed he was a generational talent, but... Josh McDaniels overruled him, and uh, the reports are that McDaniels was hellbent, uh, that word was used, on starting uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, so apparently Ziegler and, and McDaniels were at opposite ends of that. So uh, I'm sure that story will, will gain a little steam there, but it is impressive what uh, C.J. Stroud uh, has done. But, you know, you never really know what a quarterback will do or any player for that matter if they go to a different organization, you know. And, uh, I'll give D'Amico Ryan's all the credit in the world. I mean, he's got Houston playing, uh, some fantastic football right now. And Stroud is, has played exceptionally well. 
even though the last two weeks you make, can make the case that, okay, maybe now he's coming back down to earth a little bit with, you know, he's had some more interceptions the last couple of weeks. But, uh, I don't know. When, when you hear a story like that, uh, what do you think? I think it's easy to say that now that TJ Stroud looks like, you know, like looks like the man and whatnot. What, like the Raiders should have drafted him and then they should have figured out a way to get on the same page. And if there was indeed a, some kind of fracture there, that's reflected. Then that's then there's there's no surprise where they're at where they're at, right? The best teams. Not to say that there can't be discourse or disagreement, but you got to be on the same page from ownership to GM to coach to quarterback to so on and so forth. Everybody's on the same page. Look look at look at what it's like in Kansas City, right? There's there are clear responsibilities, clear organizational duties that are split up there. There's connected there's connective tissue along the way, and everybody knows what the assignment is. And, and, is, and is finely tuned and, and, and is a, obviously a, a Super Bowl caliber organization. Look at Philadelphia, uh, their GM, Howie Roseman, their coach, Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, the synergy between those guys, between the organization, right? Like that's, that's what you're striving for. And, and within a year of, of this entire ordeal, um, the, 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 I mean, the, the, the thing fractured, right? The ship collapsed. So there was never going to be staying power TC. Uh, as long as Josh McDaniels was a head coach, it, things were clearly, uh, I mean, they were going exactly how they went in Denver. And that was, I mean, that was last season with all the blown leads and a six and 11 roster after spending or record after spending all that money. So, uh, either way, look, whether they want you, whoever wanted CJ Stroud, like the Texans got them and they got their guy for the next 15 years and they're going to be a force to deal with. You got to get the quarterback right. And, and I would expect the Raiders uh, to canvas all options this offseason. Uh, after they finalize their head coach and GM and, and figure out what the future of that position looks like. Because you take a look around the AFC, look at the quarterbacks you're going to have to go through. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Lamar Jackson, C.J. Stroud, uh, Josh Allen, obviously still a factor, right? The list goes on and on. Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa down there in Miami, absolutely no scrub. Joe Burrow, how could I forget him because he's hurt. Like These are franchise quarterbacks. These are, these are dudes at the quarterback position. And, uh, and that's what the Raiders are going to have to, you know, they're going to have to get in order to compete at the highest level. So we'll see what happens. They don't have CJ Stroud. Uh, the Houston Texans do. And, and that's why the Texans are in the, a playoff mix, uh, in a rebuilding year and seem to be set up with some of the, their young players that they have around him to, to, as one of the best, uh, cores and foundations, uh, in the NFL moving forward. Sam, what about tomorrow night? Going to be in attendance, Allegiant Stadium. We've got the Pac-12 championship game. It'll be the last that we know it. And we've got Oregon and Washington. It's going to be kind of a, a weird situation as as we know you've got uh, their two sister schools or the only two schools that are left standing. We've got lawsuits going on. We've got the Pac-12 commissioner is going to be handing a trophy over to one of these uh, uh, you know these schools and head coaches. It's going to be kind of an awkward thing at the end of the night, but it should be a very good football game between these two. But and it's and it's a rematch, and it's uh, you got revenge factor for the Ducks, and you also got playoff implications so this is should be a good one give me some thoughts who do you like and why the ducks or the huskies yeah tc i think first and foremost what a way for the uh the pac-12 to go out right we're basically a a uh, elimination game to get in the college football playoff two um long long story programs in the pacific northwest loaded with talent two great quarterbacks capping off what might have been the most interesting year or certainly one of the most interesting years uh, in competitive years in the league's history, when you talk about from where you, top to bottom, uh, the quarterback play, the talent, the storylines from September with Coach Prime to October, the collapse of USC to Washington's 
reemergence as a national power to Oregon's, you know, steady, uh, steady dominance atop the league and the way they rebounded from the loss and all the great stories uh, in between. I'm certainly sad to see the Pac-12 go. Uh, I like like the tradition of college football and whatnot. That's what makes college football different from the NFL is that uh, there, the, the, that there was these kind of storied rivalries and you can always kind of hang on to those. And uh, in losing those, I think you're, you're losing a lot of what college football uh, is built on. And I imagine there's only going to be more and more compromise down the road as these mega leagues and powerhouses. I mean, I, we're, we're just kind of, in my, my opinion, we're, this is just the tip of the iceberg of where college sports is going. So, uh, I think the, the game set Friday night is going to be a great showcase of, of two great teams. And I like, look, I like Oregon. I, I like Oregon. I'm going with the favorite. Uh, I just think they have a little bit better of a roster and, and they've kind of shown that. And even uh, in Seattle, they took the Huskies down to the wire. Um, it'll be a great game. I, I mean, the, the, the NFL talent on both teams, a uh, homecoming uh, for Washington wideout, Romo Dunze, formerly of Bishop Gorman. He's going to be a first round pick and he's a finalist for the Belindikoff award. One of the best players, in the country, so he'll have a chance to ball out of the Legion Stadium before uh, he says goodbye and a chance to leave his legacy behind. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, uh, Troy Franklin, the list goes on and on in terms of some of the star power and firepower of the game. So expecting a great atmosphere, a great turnout. Uh, I'm going to miss the Pac-12. Um, as a Big Ten guy, it, it feels weird that there's going to be these West Coast L.A. schools. Like It just doesn't necessarily fit uh, with Big Ten football, but I'm going to be open-minded and, and see kind of what new rivalries form and, and how this trans- transforms the league and and what it does, right? I mean, I can feel this right now, but the reality is things are changing. We got to get with it and, and see and see what things move like, uh, move, see how things move and evolve uh, going forward. But I will uh, certainly be enjoying, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be at the stadium yet, but one way or another, I will be enjoying the last uh, ever Pac-12 championship game. Uh, that was the league I kind of grew up watching late, you know, the, the West Coast games, USC football, very formative uh, in my youth and uh, sad to see how it's changed. But going to be open-minded should be a great game tomorrow and uh and, and then also of course looking forward to saturday i will definitely be at a, a, a legion stadium right in the column for the paper on sunday you got it brother all right we'll look forward to seeing you then have a good one appreciate the time as always sam appreciate you tc take care there he is Happy sam, Thursday. sam gordon go check him out um at the at the rj uh, check out all of his columns uh, online and also he's a great follow on twitter by sam gordon all right Tonight, you can go and meet the point god, Chelsea Gray, the Las Vegas Aces All-Star, and yes, three-time champion, Chelsea Gray. She's over at AutoNation Toyota Las Vegas between 5 and 6.30, another meet and greet. Her and Alicia Clark have been uh, doing uh, the meet and greets uh, around the Toyota's facilities around town, so go see Chelsea tonight from 5 to 6.30, 6300 West Sahara Auto Nation, Toyota. Go check her out. Say hey to the point god number 12. All right. I want to thank everyone for joining us here today. Tim Brando, Timmy B, made the transition, uh, just concluded his college football duties with Fox Sports Now, going to the hardwood and uh, doing college basketball. Love talking to Timmy B. He'll be joining us, of course, during the college basketball season as well. Barry Odom, the head coach of UNLV, the Mount West conference coach of the year scott spritzer and of course sam gordon miss any part of the show go to the website check it all out tcmartinshow.com we reconvene tomorrow at the westgate inside the superbook at two